Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Culture Ops Podcast. You cannot craft a culture unless you understand your own values as a leader, or the values you're aspiring for your organization to embody. Conscious or not, every culture starts with values. Be those something that you've purposely codified or a way of behaving that is just naturally felt across the organization. Just as a culture always exists, so do values. I often find that organizations get a little scared when they begin to think or codify their values. It could feel like this huge exercise that once completed will be etched in stone for all of eternity. When in reality, I think we believe that values and behaviors can morph and change throughout the life cycle of an organization. Maybe the values and behaviors that got you to one milestone aren't going to be the ones that are going to carry you into the next. Um, Today, I want to discuss how to get them right and what you can do to ensure they're actively helping you craft an effective culture. Joining me all the way from the other side of the world, it's her evening, it's my morning, um, is Chloe Bartle, Head of People and Culture at Truva. Hi Chloe, how are you? Hey Ben, I'm really well, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, it's good to have you. Um, make, make us a little bit depressed. How was the weather in Melbourne today? I'll tell you about the weather in London. Um, go. I mean, to be honest, it's probably much for muchness. It's, yes, it is 27 degrees here, but like in this typical Melbourne fashion, it's also like been raining all day, it's cloudy, so <laughs> it's kind of good and bad. Okay, I don't feel as bad. Um, it's definitely not 27, 27 degrees there, but it is raining, so um, maybe, maybe yeah, not too different. Hey, um, before we dive in, tell us a bit about Truva, if people don't know um, uh, what Truva is, and also maybe tell us a bit about your role and and sort of your journey into doing what you're doing today. Okay, perfect. So I'm from Truva. Um, so who would Truva? So we're, we're an e-commerce business, right? So we're we're a marketplace for for unique, for hard to find products um, from the world's kind of best in, independent bricks and mortar boutiques. Um, so we make it really easy for any customer anywhere in the world to find you know, that beautiful you know piece of their home that's just right for them, whether that be like in Stockholm or in, or in Shoreditch. Um, and then we also obviously help the boutiques connect with this kind of worldwide platform and and really scale their global customer base. So that's what Truva do. Uh, in terms of my role of head of people and culture, so I mean, people and culture in in Truva covers everything. So you know, we do the kind of the hiring and developing of this kind of diverse group of really talented employees. Um, you know, we a part of our role is to kind of nurture and shape that really strong culture around kind of what is Truva, what are its values, and all the things that feed into that. Um, and then obviously, we make the things work, right? So you make the people stuff work, you make your um, ATS work, you make the you know the payroll work, and all that kind of thing. And so my role as head of people and culture is essentially you know we kind of set the strategic direction for that. Right, so we look at you know what are the overarching goals of the business, why on earth do people and culture exist, and then how do we sort of you know help the team succeed over the course over the course of the year or the course of their lifetime at, at Truva. Nice. Every time I see culture in a job title, I get excited because obviously <laughs> um, that's what we're advocating for. You know, we're advocating for culture being a a tool that you can actively use 
strategically to improve mm. the overall performance of a business. Um, uh, so good to have you. Thanks for making sure that you've got culture in your title. And I guess, we're, yeah, we at Charlie get excited. Changed it especially. <laughs> I feel, I feel honoured. Um, obviously, I don't own culture. Um, uh, but um, the values have been something that you've done some work on recently. It's something that um, you're particularly quite passionate about. Maybe mm. just give us a sort of like a little bit of an overview of the journey that you've, you've been on when it comes to, to values at Truva. And then we'll start to uh, like dive and unpick that a little bit. Yeah, okay, no worries. And do kind of, I, was, I gave this a little bit of thought actually, like what, what has my journey been? And it has been quite a journey, so interrupt me if I kind of go on too long about it. So I think for some context, I've been through a couple of iterations um, of values at Truva um, so that I've been kind of actively involved in. So one was in 2019 and one was in 2021. Uh, and in both times, you know, the reason that we did it is because our, our values kind of weren't, weren't serving us. And I think you sort of know when your values aren't serving you because you are, it's this kind of feeling of disconnect. And I'm sure this sounds so cliche. It's a little bit sort of having like a, it's a ship without a rudder or, you know, something nautical like that, but doesn't something kind of doesn't feel quite right. And the impact of that, you do, you start to kind of see it across kind of your culture, across kind of all of that, these kind of people and performance points. Um, I think people are left sort of being unclear on kind of how and why they make decisions. So I think to give you like a little bit more kind of colour or flavour sort of exactly what happened, in 2019, I think uh, we had a kind of a twofold problem. We had these quite complex values and actually they're not that far away from what our current values are today, but they were sort of quite conceptual, some bits of behavioural stuff, a couple of bits were sort of contradictory as well. You know, we, we sort of had this value that, you know, good was better than perfect, but that wasn't really true for how we operated. Um, and then I think we started to see the result having a scaling startup, right? We were Coming into a Series B, we had just hired a whole lot of people to kind of help prepare us for that. Um, we were kind of onboarding people and we had this, this super hardworking culture. It's like people just cared, cared so much and worked so hard, but just something wasn't quite landing. And I think you saw it in, you saw it in that we had a ton of people that just weren't passing their probation. Um, managers didn't really know, you know, something wasn't quite right with the person we had hired, but we didn't really know why. So you're sort of having all these people leaving the business, kind of failing probation. You're sort of and then you're kind of watching internally with teams that I think we had this sort of culture of excellence, but it was sort of a little bit different for everybody else. And the way that we all communicated was different. And it was kind of it all kind of felt just a bit siloed. And so we sort of had that. And then we had this sort of backdrop of we had a new CMO, we were raising a Series B, we sort of said, right we're going to do a project on new values. Um, so we did that. Um, and it was it was quite a complex project, actually. You know, we went out to the team, we sat down with the founders, we sat with the, the kind of the leadership team. We went back and we did iterations. Um, we ran working sessions. Um, and we kind of came up with these new set of values. And I think where we got to was like, okay, we need to strip them back and make them really clear what good behaviour looks like. And so we kind of came out with these values and they were okay, but they were, they were just kind of really stripped back. But we're like, no, nah, we've done so much hard work on them. They feel pretty good. Let's go with them. And they were kind of okay, right? So we started to implement them into kind of our performance review processes. Um, you know, we started rolling out things like the Truvies, you know, some quarterly awards, you know, trying to kind of embed them in what we did. So it was kind of, it was better, I think. And then we, the pandemic happened. 
And I think it was such an interesting point for Truva because I think values are sometimes a little bit like your wedding vows. I'm not married, but I assume they're a bit like your wedding vows. <laughs> sort of the, the strength of how the values and their applications kind of really put to the test when you're put under pressure. And I think it was so interesting that when, yeah, 2020 was just, it was, it was such an intense time, but also a sort of time when Truva came to, in, kind of, we came into our own a little bit. So I think we had, you know, it was it was very uncertain. The market was uncertain. You know, we had we saw we had to put people on furlough. We had some structural changes in the business. You know, it was super full on. We had these boutiques that were closing and they couldn't open and no one could leave the house. But on the flip side of that, everyone sort of started to pull together. And then the way that we had to operate was so intense. It was so like we had to become kind of so streamlined and efficient and we kind of developed really strong communication. And because we were all remote, we sort of lost this London-Lisbon divide that it had, that kind of silo that had existed before. And we sort of really started to kind of pull together as a team. And I think we were all really kind of pulled together as well because we had this like common mission of, right, like make the independence survive. Like everyone at Truva believes that so badly. Um, like kind of regardless of anything else, everyone really breathes out. And so we sort of came out of the pandemic kind of quite exhausted. But then I think it also became quite evident that the sort of these very short kind of punchy values that we had no longer kind of reflected this kind of authentic team that I think had really started to emerge and one that, you know, was very strong in its communication and had really, really high expectations but, you know, performed really well and had lots of empathy. And it was my boss that called it out. I can't say that I was this really strong PNC person that was like, we must redo, we must rebuild because it's really difficult. And I could, I could feel the disconnect, right? I was like, ah, oh, this, like, I didn't really even think of the values anymore. Like when I said we did things, I was like, yeah, like you weren't kind of referencing them lots because they didn't feel super relevant. But it was my boss that called it out. She's like, actually, she's like, we have gone through so much and we have come out so much stronger as a team. We need to take this opportunity and redo these values and just restart them. And that's kind of how, you know, V3 or whatever it is was born and the ones that we have now. And I think it was just the best thing we ever did at Truva. So there's two interesting examples there basically of, of the, the ex- cultural experience being different from what the values are. Mm. Mm. So, but, but slightly different. So the, the first one is people join the business, not being effective and going, okay, are we hiring the right people on the right values? Something's not quite fitting here. The, the, the second is a very distinct and clear culture where you then look back at the values that you've set, that you've archetyped and, and gone, well, actually these don't fit. What's the effect, do you think, when values don't serve an organisation? What's the sort of operational effect? Like what is the, what's the, what's the thing that you witness? You know, you reference your, your old boss um, calling it out. Um, yeah, you know, what, what, what's the effect? What are people feeling, do you think? So I think the, actually, I think the operational effect is that you lose engagement with your team. That is the operational effect of not marrying up those two things because it's like okay you say this thing is a business right you say that um you know results matter and speed is your superpower but if you're not actually seeing that and how things happen if we you know we we don't move really quickly to get things done then people sort of become disengaged with that so going well you're giving me this blueprint of things 
that is supposed to tell me how to, how to kind of live and breathe this business. I want to be a part of this business and something is not marrying up here. And then ultimately people become disengaged. They don't know what they're doing. And so people will, good people will up and leave. I love that. That's, I think that's super clear. And um, I always think that when it comes to, to people, to humans, we have incredibly strong uh, sort of, I guess, uh, emotional radar and I think one of the big mistakes that organizations make is sort of thinking that the team won't notice. Mm. Like the team is smart. The team are going to notice. The team are going to feel something's not right. And so either you can name it or and say, hey, we've got a problem. We've got a thing. We need to, we need to move through it. We need to address it. Or you can put your head in the sand. And, and, and I'm 90% sure that putting your head in the sand never works in the way um, that people want it to. Um, Okay, so two really good examples there of like disconnects between the, the values that are set and the culture. Um, you've gone through the process now twice of setting new new values, clarifying your values, evolving your values. What has been the effect of these new values? Um, and 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 do you think the team and the organisation have felt that effect? Yes, I do. I feel, I I really kind of fully believe that that they that they do, and I think. I don't think I'm being biased here that I think this time around, I, I think we just have such a strong sense of kind of who we are. And I think, you know, at its core overall, strong values have helped us transform our culture. It's We're very clear, our, our values in particular are very clear on behaviours and it is just so black and white, you know, what good behaviour looks at Truva in terms of, the, you know, the things we expect, how we interact. And when you have that kind of clarity, you know, it becomes very easy to do your job. Um, yeah it becomes very easy to do your job so I think you know if if you think about how um, we talk about things like um, performance you know I think we are we're a really high performance culture at Truva Um, and I think you know we're, we're still very much working on this right we have not kind of nailed embedding your values, um, you know, into all your performance processes. But I think fundamentally, I think when you start to kind of bring them in, having strong values allows you to drive better performance because you can give strong feedback and you do that by virtue of the values. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes loads of sense. No, I think, I think you're right. I think you can be really clear on what good looks like because you have some values that and some behaviours, and, and I'm glad that you sort of you say that your values are quite behaviours heavy, because I think that's the one mistake people often make with values is not sort of extrapolating from the value what the behaviour is. Yeah, doing that allows you to give really clear feedback on what good looks like and what 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 not good doesn't look like, right? And because therefore you can give better feedback, you can ultimately improve the the overall performance uh, of the organisation. Fully back that. Do you think it has an, an uh, do you think it's had an effect on like attraction and retention? You know, you obviously talked at the top of the show about um, hiring a lot of people, raising a bunch of money, and the value there being a bit of a disconnect between the values of the people that you're bringing in and a bunch of people not passing probation. Um, how how have how has having a clearer set of values that feel more more relevant? Um, how's that in, impacted your ability to attract the right talent? So I think 
it has impacted our ability to attract the right talent in that we are now <laughs> much better at filtering through some of our value stuff into our hiring process whereas before we didn't. And I think there is some process stuff to that in that we have become, I think, a lot better at being, um, you know, very clear at kind of what stage we are doing things and at what point. So we're not interviewing for the sake of interviewing, do you know what I mean? So you are having, um, you know, you're having a value session, you're having like a role overview session, you're having a, you know, a, a technical interview. And I think, you know, showing that kind of, you know, kind of clarity and, you know, bringing in, you know, being very clear with people, you know, we are having a really important conversation about values here. We are having a really important conversation about how you communicate with team members. It sets people from the get-go. They go, oh, is this a place I want to work? I want to work. Do you know what I mean? I see how they talk about communication. I see how they talk about, I don't know, the product or how the team interact together. So I think there is that bit. And we've definitely had a lot of really positive feedback from people that more recently, not before, but like more recently about, you know, A, kind of the quality of the process and that it was, you know, quick and it delivered on what we said was going to do, which is part of our values at Truer. That's what we do. Um, but also we were very clear about kind of who we were. Uh, and I think it, it has been a really valuable thing for us to do, I think, especially in attracting some tech talent where it's been super competitive. Being very clear on who we are as a business, I think, has started to set us apart a little bit. This is very new, by the way. This is a very new kind of realisation. I think on the retention piece, I'll be really honest with you, Ben, I think it's more tricky. I think that we are not perfect by any means as a business and we definitely experienced those kind of normal bits of attrition in terms of, you know, true value. Also, you know, just because we have strong values doesn't mean that like Truva can just offer you the world still in, or in terms of what you need of your career. And I think we see that, you know, as a startup business where, you know, you're not necessarily big enough to kind of create the right type of hierarchies that some people do need to be able to succeed. So I think, you know, it doesn't solve all of those kind of retention and attrition issues. I like to think that we are getting less feedback about things like, you know, the reason I left was because I didn't feel empowered to do my role or I didn't have the space to do those things or I didn't feel clear on what I had to do. I'm feeling like I'm seeing less of that and then I'm hoping over time that that sort of continues. There's so many good things in there that I want to pull out. <laughs> uh, I think the first thing I want to pull out is that, is that it's clear that you're being deliberate about you know, the impact that work like values can have on your performance as an organization. And, you know, like ultimately that's the biggest thing that we're trying to push with these conversations is that, uh, you know, values as being an element of your culture, big tactic that allows you to craft great culture, absolutely can impact your performance as an organization. And we mm. need to get out of our heads that culture is this thing that is sort of it's blows like in, yeah, yeah blows in the wind it's like this it's like no no culture can absolutely um impact your performance as an organization if you get it right mm. it can be incredibly effective um so i love that you guys are thinking that way and, and the second is there's a little subtle point in there that you first threw in about retaining everyone it probably isn't a good thing no it's not what you, you want people to leave Truva. And to be honest with you, I remember talking, like sitting with Alex one day and he said that like that is our goal at Truva. Basically, it's not to get people out the door, but what you want is for everyone who comes in to leave two or three times better than when they walked in the door. Like that is our goal. And if we have done that at Truva, like if all people feel that we've done that, then we have done our job. Yeah. 
No, you can't I, I expect say, people to stay forever. It's just, it's ridiculous. And not, it just, it wouldn't be good for anybody. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. And, yeah, no, but it's about, it's about trying to find the right balance, right? There are moments mm. when it's, you know, there's still more for someone to grow into. That, you know, whenever someone leaves when there was potential, that's when I'm disappointed. Mm, mm. When someone leaves because they've like maxed out what they're capable of in that organisation, they need a challenge. I'm like, yeah. Well done. And they're going on to something better. Like, what a celebration. It's so exciting. 100%. Go get it. Um, is there anything that you've consciously done to measure any of this? Is that a conversation that you have at leadership level? Um, is that the type of organisation that you are? Like, do you try and put, do you, do you ever try and put numbers to any, to any of this mm. work? And, and, and uh, I guess, try and look at the sort of uh, not observed output and change? but the sort of maybe numerical change? Yeah, I think more recently, more recently we have. I think more recently we've tried to apply, you know, we have obviously a lot of numbers at Truver. It's, you know, how we how we make decisions about our customers and our, and our you know, and our boutiques. But I think we've tried to do it more or bring in a little bit more rigour around our people stuff. And I think the way that we measure it is really kind of through the engagement piece. Because I think, you know, the, and the logic that's been applied here is that, if we agree that our values filter down to build our culture and then culture drives engagement and the way that we measure our success should be through engagement measures, right? And so the way that we do that at the moment, we use, um, you know, we do, you know, quarterly pulse checks basically. Um, so we, you know, we have an employee EMPS um, and then we have some fairly deliberate um, kind of questions um, around engagement, around around kind of clarity um, or clar- clarity of kind of role, empowerment to do role and kind of support from their manager. So we have some sort of engagement style questions, about three or four that we recycle kind of every quarter and then you know we start to and obviously the goal there is you want that number to go up and you want that number to stay consistent and since we have on this kind of you know empowerment to do the job clarity around the role support from the manager that number it's really interesting since 2020 or since sorry 2021 was barely cracking 2020 and then has just stayed consistent so we rate it out of five at the moment those numbers will sit around a 4.3 out of five and it stayed that way over the course of you know my maths is bad, but however many quarters we've had, um, and so that for us is is kind of a, a pretty good sense check of kind of yeah engagement for us at the moment. I think there's so much more we can do, um, but that's how yeah that's how we do it at the moment. Nice, and we'll kind of develop it over time. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so going back to you've been through this twice of having to slightly mm. recraft these. When you've done that, has it been? purely a leadership team thing has it been an entire team thing how have you actually done the mechanics the operational element of adapting and, and recrafting those values mm. we've done it we've done it both ways um i can tell you both ways john i can give you my opinion as well but i'll, I'll tell you both ways and you can see if you want my opinion i mean this is a podcast so i definitely want your opinion <laughs> that is literally why you're here <laughs> So in, in 2019, it, it was a whole company effort, right? And it, it was a pretty long and complex project. Uh, you know, we had, you know, kind of very much stakeholders in the project, you know what I mean? So we initially, we kind of went out to the team, we got their views on what they understood the values to be. We did our own sort of market assessment of what else was out there. What did we think good look like? Um, you know, what other values resonated with us? Then we kind of came back and did a, you know, what, how do we feel about our values kind of given all this information, you know, unpicking them ourselves as like a PNC team. Uh, we were BizOpsem, but unpicking it 
we could unpick them ourselves. Then we sat down with the founders and then, you know, what was their view? Did you think we needed to kind of redo them or iterate? Uh, and then we decided we were going to iterate and then we went away and then we changed them and we came back and it was, it went on, it's about four, four or five month project. And I think, so everyone was involved and I think it is, I understand the logic of it in that, you know, you want, you want to get the engagement into this, right? You want people to be like, yeah, the business is talking about it. They, they want to know what I think. They see me as a valuable part of this company. I think what happened for us, though, I don't know whether it was like a group think maybe situation, maybe that's what went wrong, but we had all this work and we came back with, you know, some really pared back values. There's kind of five of them and like just a couple of sentences because I think we had sort of, I think what we had tried to do Sometimes I think in, in trying to craft these things with everyone's input, you you sort of you try to please everyone and then you end up pleasing no one. And for values, it's just it's just not useful. Do you know what I mean? I just don't think it's a good thing. And so we had a completely different approach in 2021 where Dimple turned around, she sort of said, I don't think these are working. And I was like, Yeah, I think I agree with you, but <laughs> I want to redo them. It's just like we're doing it. So her and Alex essentially kind of went into a room and they just kind of, you know, raw stuff out of their head pretty much. And then they brought me the raw stuff out of their head um, and then I looked at it and then I sort of applied what I like to call my PNC softness because they are fairly kind of direct people, um, you know, but they're, they're, they're so clear on kind of the values and what good looked like. They were so clear on it. It was very easy to then come and apply a little bit of softness and bring in kind of more elements of, you know, of the team, of some pulling out some of those more bits related to empathy and what have you. So then we had this kind of, you know, final draft, I suppose. We gave it to the leadership team, but the message was we're pretty happy flag and the flags were nominal like we just there was you know so limited and then we rolled them out to the team it all seemed to land really well and here we are <laughs> so I think and look maybe it's maybe it's controversial I, I think I do personally believe that I think leaders of the business they know what they want right they're very often especially in a startup they are the founders they're the people that have like grown this thing from the tiny seed and so they have the vision. They, they know what good behaviour looks like. And I think it's the role of, you know, PNC and leadership to help bring that to life, to translate it, to go, right, how do we make this, you know, a bit more accessible for everyone? How do we translate this? And then it's the role of the team to kind of rock up and be a part of it, to be really honest with you and go, do I want to buy into this? Is this a company I want to be a part of? And if so, how do I contribute to that? And then kind of by... By default, or I'm not quite sure what the right word is there, but then, you know, in doing that, you know, you've got these people living the values, they're bringing in the right people, and before you know, you kind of have this lovely kind of iterative cycle that the whole company does own that culture and they do own those values, but it hasn't been a whole company effort to get there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. And and I, I you know, I think I was doing a session yesterday with our people managers, like leadership is agile and it should be agile. There are there are absolutely moments to to lean away and give autonomy and listen, and there are also some moments to say I can sense what is needed in this moment, mm. and actually we're gonna we're, we're gonna be more a bit more directive, we're gonna be a bit more focused and say you know what this is what good looks like, and we're gonna rally everyone around that. And you know I think that's the the mark of a great leader is knowing when to like push and pull. Exactly, and I do think every company is different as well. Do you know what I mean? But I think for Truva, like that that approach 
it really just seemed to work for us. And I think you're right. I think, you know, Dimple and Alex saw the opportunity and I think it was the right one to kind of take and seize and yeah, work for us. Epic. Uh, do you think or have you observed any fear, I guess, that sometimes surrounds leaders committing to values? Like um, whenever I have a conversation with a founder and, and they say, you know, I want, I want, I want to, you know, think about crafting our culture. I say, oh, cool, well, let's just do a values exercise first. Let's understand your values, the organization's values. And people, um, yeah, I think people kind of get a bit scared of that. You know, they, 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 they struggle with it. Um, why is that, do you think? I think maybe sometimes it's a little bit like journaling. As someone who has recently started journaling, I think there's probably an element of fear of putting pen to paper because you're scared of like what's going to come out. But I think, I also think though that, you know, leaders, like the thing I find funny is I think leaders, they know, like when you talk to a lot of founders, like they know what their business is. Do you know what I mean? Like whether good, bad, a bit quirky, what have you, like they know what makes their business tick. I think sometimes the the fear comes from actually not knowing what to do with that instead of going like, I know we have this business, I know we have something special, I know these are some of the things that make us tick, but actually I have no idea kind of how to interpret that into the thing. Do you know what I mean? How, How does that become our culture? How does that become our ways of working? How does that become our performance processes and our, our what have you? And, and I think I think to be honest, that's where, you know, a strong leadership team comes in, but that's where your PNC come, team come in as well. Do you know what I mean? That's why, you know, they're such important hires. And I think becoming more and more so important hires. We are moving away from that world of that kind of 80s-style personnel representative, do you know what I mean, to, you know, you need this sort of really strong team who, who know how to take the thing that is hiding in your founder's head and translate that into something that, you know, can be used by the whole business. And just for clarity, when you use the term PNC, you're talking about people and culture? Sorry, people and culture, yes. I think it's the classic Australian. We need to abbreviate everything. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love the energy. I love the energy. Um, is there anything that you think you've done to um, bring, you, bring your values to life um, so that they contribute to crafting an effective culture? You know, when I say bring to life, when we think about culture, culture operations, we think about three pillars of activity, people, policies and processes. Is there any work that you've done across those three areas that you think bring your values to life in a really effective way? Yeah, yeah, I do. So I think our kind of compassionate and family leave policy is a really great example. So at a high level, we reviewed it in 2021 against the backdrop of the new values. The original policy was that we have five weeks of sick leave at full pay. And it was our finance director who sort of came to me and she was like, this policy is not great. And looking back on it, so I sort of jumped in the staff handbook and it was, it was this very vague policy that sort of said, you know, five weeks at full pay, you know, for kind of the standard sick leave reasons, you know, that ACAS, you know, set out, the government set out and anything more than that, you know, any other reasons outside of that or for longer amounts of time is kind of by a case by case basis. And it's, you know, I think back on it and I feel terrible for saying this because it's it's a truva I don't recognise, but it was a truva that several years ago I think we sort of thought, oh, if you make it really obvious all the different reasons that people can take these kind of five weeks of sick leave at full pay, people might take the mick, which just <laughs> feels obscene to say it now. But I think 
And it no longer made sense when we applied it against this kind of backdrop of our of our new values, because we have these new values that were it was just yes, yeah, so so kind of grossly misaligned. So we think, you know, our values at Truvo, you know, we is kind of clarity of purpose, mind and focus. So the importance of having clarity over things, right? So we had this extremely vague policy that was kind of like, oh, you know, managers need to come to you on a case-by-case basis. You know, does the employee do it? If you're sick, if you have a family emergency in the middle of a pandemic, like it's just so inappropriate to expect people to do it. It's just not right. You know, if you apply this value of, you know, we act with humility and integrity. Humility and integrity is like low ego, but it's also about you do the right thing. You always do the right thing by by Truva. And, you know, we weren't doing and by you know, doing the right thing by Truva means doing the right thing by your people because they're one and the same, right? So, you know, by not by having this policy that is unclear and, you know, leaves people feeling unsure, you're not doing the right thing by them. You're not acting with humility and integrity. And similarly, you know, when we think about the value of we are one team, you know, we we support each other, we, we you know, we lift each other up, we enable each other to do our best work. So if you don't have a policy then that allows people to take the space when they need it, because, you know, we should trust our employees because they're brilliant, we've hired them against the values, you know, if you're not kind of creating this, you know, environment of kind of, I don't know, safety that they can go do the things they need to do, it it just became it was just amazing of like, wow, how have we just let this go? And so we very quickly, and again, we, you know, we kind of you know, speed is our superpower is again one of our values. I got to pull it together in a really quick one page of like, this is how we expand it, this is how we make it accessible, and you push it through in a week. So I think it's a really nice example of how kind of the content and then also the process of rolling it out, we just applied up and it just made so much sense. It was so easy because these were really things that we really believed. Yeah, superb example. Your policies should reflect your values and organization they should help you craft the culture that you you want they should be formative right like traditional hr traditional hr thinking is culture thinking we just haven't necessarily always put two and two together, two so, together. yeah exactly i'm so I'm, I'm so glad that i'm i'm so glad that that's what you've done um let's just finish mm. on uh, a quick question which is if someone wants to get started tomorrow on adapting rethinking their values what do you think their first action is i could be that terrible person and just say oh well just start but i think that's such a crap thing to say i think if i were going all right what what do i want to do how on earth do i even start here i think you start by giving yourself or writing down like what is the what is the elevator pitch of your culture when you are kind of talking to someone like how do you describe it like what do you what best you know who best embodies you what best embodies you how do you do things what do you stand for and so cool that's our culture and then you sort of look at your values and go well are those things aligned and it might be that they are right or they might be that they're really really close and actually all that's kind of missing is that you don't quite know how to bring kind of the value down through to your culture. So it's like, how do we start kind of drawing out that essence of the value into some policies, some processes, some ways of working that then help it embed it in our culture? Or maybe the two are kind of super misaligned. Also, that's okay. It really is. Like, it's just, it's just so, it's just so normal for it to happen. And it means that a business is kind of growing and developing. And if it is, then that's the point that you kind of sit sit down with your leadership and go, right, I, I think, I think we're missing a trick. And I do believe that. I think from, you know, having values that just kind of were okay to having values that I'm super excited about 
and I super get behind. It's just it's just two different. It's like two different workplaces. Mm. Yeah, that makes loads of sense. Um, yeah, understanding how they how they draw through, I think, is actually the piece that people forget to do. Right, they write yeah. it down on a piece of paper. They put them up, put them up on a wall. They put, put them, them in a presentation. The wall, yeah, <laughs> on your yeah. PowerPoint. <laughs> and they don't actually think about how how values and need to live within uh, the people that you hire, the policies that you come up with, and the processes, the ways of working um, of your organization. And if you do that, they can, um, yeah, help you craft a culture that's going to allow you to attract the right people, keep them in the business for the right amount of time and drive your performance in the right way. Um, Chloe, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, any last words? Oh, good one. I think it's don't be afraid to give things a red hot go. I think that's what it is. I think sometimes this can all feel so scary. And like, I think you just you have to, if you've given things a red hot go, we have made so many mistakes. It's only kind of by virtue of those mistakes that when you land it, you're like, oh, this feels good. This feels really good. So, yeah, amazing. I now have a new favourite favorite phrase, which is give something a red hot go. I never heard red, red hot go before, but now I have. Now I love it. Ah, I'm just, that's, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Um, you can keep it then. Yeah, I will be using that with my team today. Um, uh, thank you for joining us, Chloe. Thank you for being so wise and bringing great energy and thoughtfulness and laughter to the show and makes the listening experience so much more enjoyable, I'm sure. Uh, big thank you to Mel, our producer behind the virtual glass, as always, keeping this show on the road. And um, to all of you listening along, wherever you are, thank you. We appreciate you. Um, uh, if you've enjoyed this episode and are feeling generous, kind and loving, uh, please do head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It helps people discover the show, which is what we want and what we need. Um, we look forward to seeing all of you again soon. I've been Ben Bransigate, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. <laughs>